What's going on, everybody? This is Christian Gujanov, and I want to welcome you to this very special episode of Peak Performance Principles. I got to interview an incredible individual whose name is Alan Stein Jr. He's a keynote speaker, author, and performance expert. He began his career as a basketball performance coach, where he got to work for over 15 years with some of the highest performing athletes on the planet. Individuals like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, Kobe Bryant, Kyrie Irving. He got to work with some incredible athletes. Um, and since he has transitioned into being a keynote speaker and an author, um, his book is called Raise Your Game, High Performance Secrets from the Best of the Best. Um, this is a top 15 book of all time when it comes to best mindset books and best productivity books. I would highly recommend it. It's an incredible book. It's Each chapter is a pretty much a different principle that helps you raise your game. And he's an incredibly emotional speaker, very passionate. You'll, you'll hear it in the interview. He loves what he does, and he's so genuine. And this interview was just incredible. Um, I can see why so many companies want to bring him in. Companies like American Express, Pepsi, Charles Schwab, Starbucks, and dozens and dozens of other companies bring him in to help their employees improve their performance. And I can see why a lot of these athletes wanted to work with him as well. Uh, I hope you enjoy this interview. We talked about a variety of different topics from mindset to youth sports. And I played a really fun game with him, like a, like a March Madness bracket game, uh, to kind of toward the end of the interview. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a cool, it was a very cool interview. I, he's someone that I've followed for a really long time, and I, and I hope that you enjoy this interview. I know it was something very, very powerful for me to hear his thoughts on some of the topics we talked about. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of Peak Performance Principles. This is Christian Gujanov with a very, very special guest. I've got Alan Stein Jr. on the, on the phone here, and we are going to be talking today about peak performance. He's going to be going over some incredible, useful principles that you can immediately apply, and we're going to be going over just a lot of ways to raise your game, and if you are looking to like up your game, if you're looking to motivate yourself, if you're looking to take advantage of this time, this interview is going to be dynamic. So I'm really excited for this. So Alan, can you, uh, can you hear us okay? I hear you perfectly and I'm excited to be joining you. We're going to have a fun chat. Yeah, dude. So I've got a little surprise for you in like a little bit. So there's a game I want to play, but I'm going to hold that off for a little bit. Okay. So I love games. <laughs> to, to start out, can you kind of tell us a little bit about kind of where you're currently at, like what you do and kind of your kind of what your day-to-day looks like i know it's changed a little bit but tell us a little bit about kind of what your kind of your job and your passion is uh happily in fact i'll actually just to put everything in context and i'll I'll do this with the cliff notes version um basketball was my first identifiable passion and i I fell in love with the game at at four or five years old and here four decades later in my mid-40s basketball is still a major pillar in my life and i i bring that up um, because one of the, the best pieces of advice that I ever received and something that I want to share with all of your listeners is uh, you need to find what it is that you love, you know, what you're truly passionate about. You need to find what it is that you're pretty good at, where your natural talents lie. And then you need to find where those two things intersect. And that point mm-hmm. of intersection 
will be your strength zone. And the more time you can spend in your strength zone, uh, certainly the more successful you'll be, the higher your performance will be, uh, but the happier and more fulfilled you'll be as well. And the reason I bring that up is um, in everything I've ever done, basketball has been a spoke on that wheel. And even now at present, uh, as, as technically a keynote speaker and author, basketball is, is still a part of that. And, uh, you know, growing up, uh, I was a fairly decent youth and high school player, uh, was able to play at Elon. Uh, it was Elon College at the time. It's now Elon University down in uh, Burlington, North Carolina. And I knew upon graduating uh, that I wasn't going to be able to play basketball any further, but I still wanted to be attached to the game. Uh, so I started to develop an equal affinity for strength, conditioning, fitness, and performance training. And I decided to be a basketball-specific strength and conditioning coach. And I did that for just over 15 years uh, before I made this pivot to what I'm doing now. And, and while a good portion of what I do now is serving corporate audiences, uh, I still make an effort uh, to speak to teams and athletes and coaches and schools because uh, certainly that's a big portion of my heart and a big portion of my past. Um, mm -hmm. But basketball is the common denominator and the red thread that links all of these different things together. And uh, that's why... You know, I, I'm I'm as happy and as successful as I've ever been right now at present day because I've been able to find ways to to navigate through that and stay in that strength zone. That's awesome, man. So like, so so just to reiterate, right? So the passion, so finding a passion and then finding something you're good at, and where those two intersect, that's where you put your focus and attention and all of your effort into. Absolutely, and for that's me. Awesome. That, that point of intersection has always been serving other people. And for the most part, like if, 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 you, if you wanted to put me in a box and you wanted me to identify with one specific vocation, I consider myself a coach. I mean, by definition, I'm a keynote speaker and an author, uh, but for the most part, I'm a coach. Yeah. Uh, and that has kind of been my, that's something that I've always been pretty good at. And filling other people's buckets and helping other people achieve their goals and dreams has always been a major passion of mine. So while I did choose to do that in the very specific basketball space uh, for a long time, uh, I'm doing the same thing now in the corporate space. You know, in fact, this, mm -hmm. this global pandemic has really only reminded me that speaking is what I do. It's not who I am. At my yeah. core, I am a coach. At my core, I'm someone that wants to serve others and help them get where they want to go. Speaking yeah. is just the way that I do that. You know, writing books is just the way uh, that I express that. But at my core, that's who I am. And, and the sooner someone can find who they are at their core and figure out a way to build a life around that, the better off you'll be. It's beautiful, man. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, that's, that fits no matter what your performance is, right? So if you're a basketball player, a business owner, a a teacher, whatever that is, that advice fits everyone. It's yeah. universally true. That, that's, that's one of the coolest parts about a lot of the stuff that you teach. So like the podcast, the book, all of the content that you put out, you get that feeling of like, this is a coach. Like I don't view it as like, this is a corporate speaker, like everything. You've done an incredible job of like kind of channeling that passion and what you're good at and being able to filter all of that through into coaching. Which oh, is amazing. Well, I, I appreciate that very much. And, you know, I, I also learned very early that it's best to invest in, in skill sets that have the highest utility. And for me, mm. you know, investing in my own self-awareness and emotional intelligence, uh, investing in relationships, you know, really pour, trying to, to pour into and to serve others. 
um, you know, investing in my ability to communicate through spoken word or written word or digital on social media or a call like this, uh, investing in the ability to lead others. You know, if you can increase your ability to be impactful and influential and have a positive uh, influence over others, these skills have the highest utility and, and you can use them in any vocation. I mean, as you just mentioned, whether you are a teacher or a business owner or a basketball player, you need to have self-awareness. You yeah. need to be able to, to communicate your thoughts effectively. You need to have, you know, emotional intelligence and, and you know, leadership skills. So that's one of the cool things is as you get older, this point of intersection may change a little bit because you start to uh, develop new passions and you start to acquire new skills. So the things that you're good at and love that can change. And for me, it did. I mean, for, for a while, it was that intersection fell right into youth and high school basketball. And now that intersection falls on keynote speaking on stages for corporate groups. Yeah. Uh, but as long as you're working on the skill sets, then you'll be able to pivot and move into anything that you want. And that's, mm -hmm. that's I think, the best investment you can make. And, and I consider relationships a good portion of that. Yeah. You know, if, if everything was taken away from me today, um, I would still have uh, my relationships. And I, I believe that I've forged relationships with the type of people that would help create an environment that would allow me to get back on my feet. And that, that no one can take that away from you. Right. No, that's amazing. Yeah. And I think that, that, that goes to say a lot about in the moment, right? That self-awareness that you talked about in the moment you didn't think about those relationships as like, Oh, if everything go, if everything, if all my ships get burned, like good thing I have these relationships in the moment. But when you are in the moment, you're there, you're present, you're focused on building that person and building that relationship. And yeah, if in the future that you need to kind of take advantage of that, you know, in a sense, but in the moment, I, I don't think you think about that, right? It's mostly just being in the present moment with the person and building a relationship for now. Yes. And how can you, my mindset is always, how can I serve them? You know, that, that yeah. I, I want to give freely with no expectation of anything in return. So this is not about, you know, uh, I want to do you a favor so that if everything does get taken away from me, you're going to owe yeah. me. I don't believe in owing anyone else. Uh, I believe you make a decision whether you want to invest your time uh, or your money or your resources. You know, you do that because you believe it's the right thing to do and you want to serve someone else. Uh, I, I don't like anytime I hear um, that, that verbiage used of, you know, well, well, I did something for him. So now he owes me. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm been a long round. I've been around long enough to know that the way that the world works, when you do pour into others, it will come back to you in some way, shape or form. I mean, some folks call that karma. Uh, you can call it whatever you want, but I do believe that if you do, you know, give of others uh, freely, things will come back to you. Yeah. But the key is not having any expectation, not mm. saying, you know, Hey, I did this for you. So now you have to do this for me. It's I did this for you because I wanted to, I wanted to help you. And I thought it was the right thing to do. Period. End of story. Now, if you choose to reciprocate, that's 100% on you. Um, but I don't have any expectation. Uh, I want to serve because, again, it's, it's what I believe in. Yeah. No, man, that's incredible relationship advice. If you're meeting someone new or if you've been married for 30 years, right? Like on a very deep relationship, that, that principle, like that mindset sticks to both of those situations. So that's amazing. So so I want to talk about basketball. I want to kind of pivot to this. It's your first passion. It's the longest passion you've had in your life. So I want to ask you two questions. First, sure. 
What was the first memory? You started, you said you played, started playing ball around four or five years old, right? What was the first memory that you have of like completely falling in love with basketball? You know, whatever that first uh, recreation team my parents signed me up for when I was in kindergarten, I mean, it, it's crazy um, because, you know, even at four or five, you wouldn't think that four decades later that I would still have vivid memories. But, but I, can, I can picture what that elementary school gym looked like. I can picture the walls. Uh, I, can, I can picture what the baskets look like. Um, you know, so I'm at 44 years old. So when I'm four years old, you know, you're talking uh, 1980, 1981. You know, that's when I first started getting introduced to the game. And, and there was just something about the game that I was drawn to. Then, of course, as I start getting a little bit older and now, you know, hitting double digits of 10, 11, and 12, uh, is really when, you know, Michael Jordan comes on the scene mm -hmm. and just changed everything for everyone. I mean, yeah. I, I think he, he was probably the, the biggest spark um, to, to growing the game of basketball. Um, and uh, I remember, you know, starting to watch him and then wanting to be like him, of course, which is what right. most kids wanted to. And, you know, yeah. buying his sneakers and wearing my wristband midway up my left forearm and, and having Bulls stuff. Um, so the, the spark was planted early. And I vividly remember, you know, what that gym looked like. Uh, remember being with my friends. Um, you know, I don't remember who coached me that, that first time. But I can make the, the very fair uh, assumption that the person uh, planted the right seeds and made it yeah. a fun experience um, because that could have easily turned me off. Uh, that's why youth basketball coaches or youth sports coaches in general are so important. Uh, I don't for the life of me remember who that person was, but they must have done something that helped me fall in love with the game. And, and for that, I'll, I'll be forever indebted. Yeah. And are, I know you have you have three kids now. Yes. I do. Yes. So I've got three as well. So my oldest is like right at that age that you're describing, right? Like that kindergarten first grade. So it's crazy to see like, cause I had a very similar experience of like, I was a little older when I was introduced to basketball, we immigrated from Europe. So basketball wasn't super big. It was mostly soccer. But once we came to America, basketball was like incredible. Like in the nineties, it was just picking up like crazy. So, Oh yeah. So when I, when I first started playing, I, I vividly remember that it was so fun. It was so challenging and that hoop was way too high and this ball was way too big, but like <laughs> at what, no matter what, I wanted to put that ball in there. Right. So then, then now seeing my son go through that experience, talk about a little bit about what that, like the diff is there, is that, are you, are you seeing it differently now than like when you lived it, you know, in the early eighties and then now in the 2020s, what's different about youth sports? Is there anything that sticks out to you or is it pretty similar? I think there's both sides of it. I, I do think the, the fundamental principles are still in place, um, mm -hmm. but I do think youth sports has become much more commercialized. It's become much more, uh, and I, I hate using this term, but much more of a business, if you will. Um, you know, a, a lot of people uh, almost force their children into sports because they think it could be a way to get a college scholarship and pay for a secondary education. Um, yeah. And, I feel like when I, you know, when I was younger, it was much more of the purity of it. You know, yeah. at that time, I mean, the NBA, it was not this, this global billion dollar behemoth that it is yeah. now. It was, you know, yeah, the best players in the world were playing in that, that league, but that wasn't, that wasn't the, the driving force. I mean, kids played sports and played multiple sports. I mean, basketball right. just happened to be my favorite. I've played every single sport under the sun, uh, including some very unconventional type sports and activities. So I tried everything 
uh, and enjoyed a lot of different things, but basketball really was what I was most passionate about. Uh, I also think, um, and this is not just in youth sports. I think this is, this is rampant even in schools. Now there's a lot more parental interference. Um, parents get a lot more involved in, in youth sports, uh, which, you know, from a, a support and love standpoint is a great thing, but I do think some well-intentioned parents can step over that line and become too involved and they make it just too serious. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, a, a group of eight, eight year olds playing basketball should not be that serious. Uh, they should play because they <laughs> love the game. Uh, the coaches should focus on fun and focus on developing the fundamental skills and coaches should focus on teaching life lessons and, and traits like we've talked about these traits with, with high utility, they should be teaching mm -hmm. respect and proper communication and teamwork and work ethic and accountability. Uh, so those need to be the primary reasons that kids play sports. And unfortunately in today's landscape, uh, that's not always the case. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more with you. So uh, if you have, so like you being a parent and being around youth sports, what advice could you give parents? And this is more of a very selfish question because I sometimes fall into this category. <laughs> So what, what, what advice could you give like parents that are, you know, their children are kind of going through this phase right now? Well, you know, what's kind of funny that uh, it, it, it almost sounds like you perfectly set this up, but I know that you didn't because we didn't <laughs> even talk about it. But um, a friend and a friend of mine and I are just putting the finishing touches on a self-published book called The Sideline, A Survival Guide for Youth Sports Parents. And, <laughs> That's and it's a, a great real name, quick, man. It's a real quick, easy read. And it really is, I mean, you could read it cover to cover in an hour. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a guide on what both he and I have learned as parents, uh, as athletes ourselves, but as, as coaches. I mean, he, he coached varsity basketball at the high school level for 20 years. I've had my time in the performance world. Um, and we offer as much advice as possible just from the parenting lens, I would never in a million years try and tell someone else how to parent their child. Right. But I do believe that through my, my previous experiences, I can share best practices for making sure that your child gets the most out of their sporting experience. And, you know, there's a variety of different things. Um, you know, one of the main ones we talk about is, is not coaching from the sideline, you know, be there to support, be there to clap and cheer, but don't be there to offer instruction. Uh, you end up adding confusion to the child when you do that. Uh, they should be listening to one voice and one voice only, and that is their coach. Yeah. And what I usually hear as pushback is, well, the coach doesn't know what they're doing or it's not a very good coach, to which my reply is, well, then don't play on that team. Like you're free to leave at any time that you want. But, you know, I, I don't believe in complaining. I don't believe in making excuses and I don't believe in believe in blaming others. Mm -hmm. uh, as I just mentioned to you, uh, as the parent, uh, as the father of 10 year old twin sons and an eight year old daughter, the only things that matter to me for the coaches that my kids play for is, are they of high character and a good role model? Are they providing a safe and fun environment so that my kids can enjoy playing? Are they teaching the game, teaching the fundamentals? It doesn't matter if I agree with how they teach them or if I think I could teach them better. I'm not concerned with that. Are they focusing on the fundamentals as opposed to just focusing on trying to win games? And are they teaching life lessons? You know, are they holding my children accountable? Um, you know, if they're not giving their best effort and so forth. And that's all that matters to me. 
Uh, I don't care how much my kids play. I don't care how many points my kids score. I don't care if my kids win or lose. Those things will come over time as they get older and the stakes are raised. At their current ages, those are the only things that are important to me. So that's how I vet any coach that my kids will play for. And those types of, of philosophies are what we share in this book uh, for those that will be open to listening. A um, couple other things, you know, uh, we, we, we found that through research, not research that we did, research that we found that the best six words you can say after your child has a practice or a game is I love to watch you play. That's it. You know, don't, don't, don't try to, don't, don't try to praise outcomes and say, you know, I'm so happy that you won because then your child's going to think, well, if you're happy when I win, that means you'll be unhappy when I lose. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't offer any constructive, you know, comments, you know, Hey buddy, you played a great game, but what were you thinking with that shot you took in the third quarter? You know, don't offer any of that as the parent, just be there to love them unconditionally and support them and encourage them. And if you have to train yourself, even if you have to read a script just to say, I love to watch you play that's what's going to be most impactful to your children at these young ages. Yeah. You know, I'm not implying that if, if your child is playing at Duke uh, that you need to say the same thing when they're a 21 year old, I'm talking at the youth levels. Yeah. That's what's most important because that's what will foster the environment that will keep them loving the game, which is how they'll progress and keep playing. You know, one of the statistics that's really alarming to me is that more and more kids are quitting youth sports at earlier and earlier ages. Mm-hmm. And the number one reason for that is adult interference. And most of that adult interference is coming through parents kind of being a little bit too gung-ho and, and a little overbearing. And I know that they mean well. Uh, and I am by no means trying to create an adversarial relationship against right. parents. I am a parent. I love and appreciate parents. I just think that as well-intentioned as many parents are, they're often very misguided as far as what they can do to, to provide the best environment for their child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think that, that's what's so valuable about what you described is I think a lot of parents know that they are being overbearing or they, they don't know what to say. So it kind of, we, we just kind of reiterate back to what we heard when we were kids. So yes. and you kind of just re kind of, kind of rinse and repeat what you heard as a youth, but like the game is different now. And I think that those six words that is a that is an, a, a fantastic launching off point for creating a conversation about sports with your child. Absolutely, and and I tell you what, there, there's four questions that I ask my kids, and they could recite them to you right now on command. <laughs> they they certainly know, uh, not because I've made them, just because I've asked them enough times. And these four questions are what are again. This is I'm framing it as what is most important to me as their father, and they know that as long as they can answer yes to these four questions. I will continue to pay for their sports. I'll continue to drive them to their sports. I'll continue to sit in the stands and cheer for them during their sports. And those four questions are, number one, did you give your best effort? So these are questions I would ask after any practice uh, or any game. Did you give your best effort? Were you coachable? Did you listen to your coaches? Were you a good teammate? And did you have fun? Those are the only four things that matter to me. Did you give your best effort? Uh, did you have fun? Were you coachable? And, and did you listen? And were you a good teammate? Uh, as soon as they start saying no to any of those questions, then we're going to have to revisit whether or not this is worth the time investment. Yeah. You know, my kids know, hey, you know, if you're going to go out there, especially in a team sport, you owe it to your teammates to give your best effort. Uh, I believe that working hard is a choice. Uh, so thus, therefore, not working hard is also a choice. 
And when you sign up to be a part of something bigger than yourself, it's not just about you. You owe it to everybody else on the team that you're going to show up every day as your best self and give your best effort. Uh, number two, you need to be coachable. This is not just that I, what I say to my children. I try to be incredibly open and humble and coachable myself. That the moment you think you know it all uh, is the moment you're going to start to regress instead of progress. Uh, so I always want to make sure that my kids uh, are listening to their coaches. And, and I've told them there'll be times your coaches say something that you disagree with. There'll be times your coaches tell you to do something that I would tell you to do something different, but that doesn't matter. You respect them by looking them in the eye when they're speaking, you know, locking in and paying attention and give them a yes, sir, or a yes, ma'am, and do your best. And uh, I believe, you know, as we go down the list, I believe that being a good teammate is one of the most important qualities that a human being can have. Uh, that if, if you can become the type of teammate that you want to play with, there's not a team in the world that doesn't want you a part of their organization. And yeah. this is even true as adults. I mean, if, if you can be a world-class teammate, there's not many businesses in the world that won't find room for you. Um, and then, of course, I want you guys to have fun. You know, if, if you're not having fun, then there's no sense in us being here. Uh, and, and, you know, one, because I do believe at the youth level, the fun should be highlighted and should be the most important. Uh, but as you get older, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, there's no way that you'll be able to give the effort and focus required over a sustained period of time to be, to be any good at it. So if you don't like doing it, then find something else to do. And my kids know that once they've made a commitment for a season, they have to finish that season. But then when the season's over, if they didn't have fun and, and they choose to never play baseball again or never play hockey again, they, that's fine. They have that right. I would never force them to play, but they have to finish the commitment that they started. And the reason I bring these four questions up is, you know, most parents are so concerned with the outcome. You know, I want my child uh, to win a state championship or I want my child to get a college scholarship or to be a pro. And I'm like, I get it. That's fine. But, but being able to say yes to these four questions is also the key to them being as successful as possible. If you want a kid that can excel on the court or a kid that can excel on the field, if you want a kid that can play college basketball, they better give a great effort every time they're out there. They better be coachable and able to listen. They better be able to make people around them better. And as we just said, they need to be able to have fun because if they're not enjoying it, they'll never give the effort required to sustain that level of of, of performance. So mm -hmm. uh, those four things are not just what provides the best experience for the child. Those four things are also what will allow them to be the best they're capable of. Yeah, that's, dude, that's incredible. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, even, even like not even just youth, but like if you own a business, like almost these are like, you could edit some of the wording, I guess, but like, this is what makes a really good employee. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. So so, when it, so the final, not final, I think I could ask you a million basketball questions, but <laughs> so you've worked with some, I mean, some of the world's best basketball players, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kyrie, Chris Paul, Kobe. I want to focus on, I guess, a two-part question, right? So working with all of these incredible basketball players, you mentioned how basketball is kind of a common thread in your kind of life. What's a common attitude or a common training that, all of these incredible athletes, what, what have you seen that they all do in common? 
Well, the number one thing that they all have in common is kind of my philosophy, not just on on work, but on life. And it's what I learned um, specifically from Kobe Bryant when I met him back in 2007. And he, he basically said the key to his success is that he never gets bored with the basics, that mastering the fundamentals uh, of whatever your craft is. I mean, certainly in basketball, it's it's your footwork and your shooting mechanics and your ability to handle the ball. Um, but anyone listening to this right now, if you play another sport uh, or you, you do something else, you're in theater or you're in the arts or in music uh, or you're in the corporate world, you're a, a CEO or an entrepreneur, you run a business, you have to ask yourself, what are the fundamentals that I need to be excellent at this, this craft? And then you need to focus on, on improving those fundamentals relentlessly during the unseen hours. You need to get as many quality and purposeful and intentional repetitions as you can to get as good at those things as possible. And, you know, that's, that's how I approach everything. That's how I approach speaking. That's how I approach writing. That's how I approach parenting. You know, what are the fundamentals that it takes to be a, a connected and present father? Uh, what are the, the basics required of being a, an elite keynote speaker? Uh, what are what are the basics and fundamentals needed to write a book that would be of value to other people? And I, I do my best not to deviate from those things. Mm -hmm. So I take a small handful of the basics and fundamentals and I try to get really, really good at those. And, and I believe that is the key to high performance. You know, it's it's not occasionally being great at a few things. It's consistently being really, really, really good at the most important things. It's the Tim Duncan paradox. Absolutely. Without question. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So when you, so there's a, the, the famous 4 a.m. Kobe story, I think is, I, I know I've told it to like pretty much all my clients. It's the, one of the most incredible stories about when you first, was it your first camp, Nike camp? Yeah, that was my first time uh, doing a Nike Skills Academy and, and first time meeting Kobe. And, and that was where, that was the, the, I never get bored with the basics, as you know. So I'm just letting your listeners know that's kind of the punchline to the story and the yeah. lesson from the story. You know, here this guy is a, a multi-time all-star and world champion and surefire Hall of Famer and multi-millionaire. And during the off season, you know, he's up in the wee hours of the morning focusing on the basics during a private workout. And yeah. That just surprised me as a young coach because I expected to see some more flash and some more sizzle and, and left that going, okay, if the best player in the world at that time um, is going to focus on the basics, then that's probably what I should be doing as well. And yeah. I'm certainly not batting a thousand. I'm not perfect. <laughs> there have been several times where I've deviated from the basics. Uh, I've gotten that shiny object syndrome where I've wanted to chase something a little too sexy. And every single time, that has been the wrong decision. At some point, I realize, you know what? I'm chasing fool's gold. I need to recalibrate and I need to get back to the basics. And I'm much better about that now. Uh, I don't deviate very often now. Uh, the temptation is certainly there, especially on social media. You know, I can only imagine uh, as a basketball player now. I mean, obviously, I didn't have social media when I was growing up, you know, but but uh, to pull up somebody on YouTube and watch them working on all these fancy dribbling moves I can see why there would be a temptation and a desire to jump right to doing those things. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying that there's anything wrong with those drills, right. but in order to be able to do those drills, you have to build the layers to the cake and you have to put in the foundation and you have to be able to do basic drills and use either hand and pivot off either foot and not just do things stationary, but do things on the move. Like you have to be able to do all of that before you could even consider graduating to something like that. And yeah. the problem is most players skip those steps. 
you know, most players will turn on an NBA game and see LeBron make an incredible move and run right out to their front yard with their, their basket <laughs> and try to mimic that move. And yet they haven't mastered all of the micro skills that lead up to that move. And, and that's the issue. So focusing on the basics and mastering the fundamentals during the unseen hours and, and game-like repetitions is the common theme amongst all of those high performers. And that's not even just in basketball. Yeah. Uh, you can name a high performer in music. You can name mm -hmm. a high performer in the, the arts or acting. You can name a high performer in business. And I promise you, they have uh, continued to focus on the basics. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, is there... Is there a story that stays? I mean, I know the that's the Kobe Bryant story is incredible. Is there another story that sticks out to you from your work with Kobe? No, not a specific story, but I I saw on an interview uh, later. So this was not an experience that I had, but I uh -huh. I saw that uh, when folks asked him why he chose to get up that early, um, he said because if I get up that early, then I'm coming in for my second workout when most of my competition <laughs> is going in for their first workout. And yeah. then when they come back for their second workout, I'm on my third workout. So I'm always one step ahead of them. And he said, you know, in a week that won't do much in a month that won't do much. Even in one off season, it might not do a lot, but he said year after year, if every single day I'm getting in at least one more quality workout than you are, then over time I will be untouchable. My competition will never be able to catch me because I've got such a head start. And uh, I, I'm not necessarily saying that more is better. Uh, I hope players listening to this, I'm not telling you that you need to get three workouts a day. I'm not telling you that you need to start at three in the morning. I just liked how methodical his mindset was and that he was very distinct in his why. Uh, I believe heavily yeah. that in order to be good at anything, you have to figure out the why that you're doing something. And just because or that's the way it's always been done. Those have never been, you know, very satisfying answers to me. So whether or not I agree with, you know, working out six hours a day, three times is the best thing to do is irrelevant. I just love that, that Kobe was so connected to, you know, what he believed was the best path for him and that he had a reason for doing it. Yeah. I think that, I think that that's the part that sticks out to me as well. It's not the, if you want to be as good as Kobe or LeBron, you have to work out as much as they do. It's, it's about finding like what is your why, and then again, just like you described earlier, the passion and what you're and what you're good at. Find that path. Kobe was really he was willing to commit to working out that much. It didn't yes. seem like it was a chore for him. I mean, every interview I've watched, everything I've seen about him, it was it was fun. He wanted to do that. If yeah, with the Michael what? Jordan documentary, same thing. He wanted to be better than the Pistons. He wanted to be better than anyone. And he was exactly. willing to put in the work for it. So it's, I think it's finding whatever that thing is for you and then going hard on that thing. I had heard also that, and, and I'm, I'm probably butchering this a little bit because I didn't see it firsthand. A friend of mine told me about this, but someone had asked Kobe one time, you know, um, uh, do you regret any of the sacrifices you made to be so good at basketball? And he, he said, I didn't make any sacrifices. That is exactly what I wanted to be doing with my time. You know, a sacrifice means not doing something you want to do in order to do something that you need to do or you have to do or should do. And he said that was yeah. never the case. There was no place that I'd rather be than in the gym working on my craft. So every decision I've ever made was very intentional. And that is exactly what I wanted to be doing. So I didn't even have to make sacrifices. And I, you know, again, whether or not I agree with, 
with the terminology is irrelevant. I just, I like the way that he approached it and I like his mindset on that. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. No, it's amazing. It was, yeah, sad to see him go, but the lessons I think has been tenfold from, from young athletes learning from him and the legacy he's left is unparalleled. So I appreciate that, man. I appreciate you sharing that. So I want to kind of pivot. I want to play a little game. Sure. So I, I think college basketball has shifted a lot, but growing up during March and April, that was probably my favorite time of basketball. Yeah. It was the most pure, like unadulterated basketball that you could watch. It was tiny teams from Loyola, Chicago, making it to amazing run. It was just incredible to watch. So I wanted to do a little bracket game with you. So, Okay. I've done a lot of research from the book, podcast, a lot of stuff you put out. So what I did was I compiled 16 of the top words that I've heard you say. Okay. When it comes to peak performance, I put them in a random generator. Oh, nice. And what I did is I created a bracket. So this is words that you have mentioned in the book, in the, on the podcast, whatever it was, right? So I want to play a little game. This, is, this could get pretty tough. There's a couple. I'm looking at the bracket right in front of me here. There's a couple, <laughs> there's a couple brackets here that are going to be tough for you to pick one. But I bet so. what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to – I'm going to give you the matchup, and I want you to tell me which one moves on. When it comes to building peak performer, right, if you want to be your best, I'm going yep. to give you the matchup and you tell me which word. You ready? Sounds great. All right. This first one's going to be a tough one. So we're going to start with the – Let's hope there's no upset here. So the first, so the first matchup is productivity versus passion. I'm going to go with passion. Passion moves on. All right. Next one, self-awareness or coachability. Self-awareness. All right. I'm writing these down. I got to keep track of these. And the, and these are tough. And you know, what's so <laughs> funny is, you know, it's, uh, uh, I saw something on, on Twitter today that said social media has gotten to the point that if you tell someone you like apples, they ask you why you hate oranges. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason I bring that up is, I mean, obviously all four words you've just exactly. shared are incredibly important, but I still, based on the rules of your game, I've got to <laughs> pick one. So as much as, as I'm going to let self-awareness win that one, I mean, we both know how important coachability is. And productivity as well. I mean, like, yeah, so this is not to say that. Product- yeah. The productivity police is not going to come after you and say <laughs> that like Alan Stein doesn't believe me to be productive anymore. Yes. So, awesome. But yes, the rules of my game. This is a very rigged game here. So I love it. Um, next one, confidence or fundamentals? Fundamentals. See, I knew that was going to happen. That's probably the easiest one on here. But um, you know what? What's the interesting is the relationship because you end up building confidence through mastery of the fundamentals. Exactly. That's yeah. why I'm picking fundamentals. I, I, so that, that was my train of thought as well. Confidence is one of those things that I think you need one of these other words in order to develop. Yes. Right. So that's, a, that, that's why I thought it was the easiest matchup on you. All right. So the next one is effort or communication? Uh, effort. You hesitated. I did. <laughs> that, that's a tough one. Um, no. It, All it, of it, these, man. This I, is a, I know this they is are. A brutal you bracket. A, you and the random generator did a great job. Of <laughs> yeah, this random generator was fantastic. You know, I, I've always believed that giving a great effort does not guarantee that you'll be successful, but giving a poor effort guarantees you won't be. And mm. that was what ran through my mind during that split second hesitation. But I'm, yeah. I mean, my entire life is based on communication. Right. So, uh, but yes, we'll stick with effort. Okay. All right, effort. All right, let's move to the next side of the bracket. So. Optimism 
Or discipline. Discipline. The hardest one to spell. I was yes, absolutely. All right. Next one is unselfishness or energy. Unselfishness. Is there a reason why? No, that was another one I, I balked for just a second. Um, I think unselfishness is a is kind of having a mindset that you're always trying to serve others and put others first. And I think if you do that consistently, you'll produce more good things than just having high energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I there was a podcast that you did about um, I can't remember his first name, but Nader he played for UCLA behind Bill Wall. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So. If, if you, those of you that haven't listened to that or don't know this story, it's an incredible story. I mean, Bill Walton was like by far for like three or four years, the best college basketball player up oh, until yeah. his time. I and mean, probably now he's probably top five, top 10 ever. But his backup center was drafted in the NBA draft in the first round, right? Yeah. And didn't start a game. He, I mean, Bill Walton probably played like 38 minutes a game back then. Like, but it was just the fact that, and again, it kind of goes to the coachability part of it. The, the conf, he gained confidence, not from playing time, but from practice and being yeah. able to practice against Bill Walton and that unselfishness that Nader had is probably what got him drafted. Absolutely. Without question. So that's incredible. All right, cool. So let's go to the, the, the last half of the bracket or quarter of the bracket. So accountability or emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence. That was, that was, that was quick. I liked that one. All right. Uh, commitment or preparation? Preparation. All right. So let's start. Let's start back up. All right. Elite eight. Here we go. All right. We got passion or self-awareness? Self-awareness. All right. Fundamentals or effort for the final four? Fundamentals. Ooh, upset. Yeah. I guess you can't. You got to give effort to the fundamentals though. Yeah. If you do that, then you're doing it right. All right. Discipline or unselfishness? Discipline. Tell me more. I mean, why, I why think, does that win? I believe discipline is the key to everything that we want. And, and unfortunately that word has a negative connotation with a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of young people. They hear the word discipline and they mm-hmm. think of punishment or they think of, you know, I'm in trouble. And I don't believe that. I think being self-disciplined is the key to happiness and fulfillment. It's the key to high performance. You know, having discipline uh, it will basically unlock a lot of the words that you've had in this bracket. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's having, you know, Kobe Bryant uh, had the discipline to be in the gym at four in the morning and the discipline to focus on basic footwork and offensive moves instead of doing something more flashy and the discipline to do that every day, even when he didn't feel like it. You know, I, I often think in today's day and age, motivation is a little bit overrated that, that people talk all the time about wanting to be motivated or needing to be motivated when that's not really what they need. They need more discipline. It's not lack of motivate. Motivation is fleeting. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm an early riser and I do like getting up, but if you think I love getting up early every single morning, you're insane. I do it because I'm disciplined. Mm-hmm. I don't do it because every morning I'm feeling motivated. Exactly. Oh dude. I, when you said that, like the, the hairs on the back of my head stood up a little bit. I, yeah. Motivation is so like very overrated when it comes to a lot of these and discipline, I feel like is the higher echelon of motivation. Yeah. I I remember a a coach once said to me, and I think this is kind of, I think he kind of stole it from a more popular quote, but he, he basically said it to me and he said, you know, if you'll discipline yourself, then I won't have to discipline you. And, <laughs> and I was like, okay, well that, that actually makes sense. That does you make know? a lot of sense. He, he doesn't have to discipline me for being late. If I'm always early, 
So yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So I, I do believe discipline is a major key. And I'm Very already, cool. I'm already, I'm already starting to get a little anxious with this final four. <laughs> I know, dude. This it's final gonna four have some really good words, dude. We got all the one seeds. All right. So, emotional intelligence or preparation? Emotional intelligence. I almost didn't even let you read the second <laughs> one. How do you? But I, I wanted so like, to be polite. <laughs> thank you. So, how, <laughs> how do you like simply define emotional intelligence? I feel like a lot of schools have been using this as like a buzzword or buzzwords, I guess. But like, in a very simple, like, how do you define emotional intelligence? The ability to uh, recognize, uh, manage, and and deal with your emotions first, and then being able to do that with others. So being able to understand what well, what you're feeling, uh, why you're feeling that way, but then most importantly, being able to manage that emotion and say, let's use anger for example. Okay, I understand I'm angry right now at this moment, but I need to figure out why am I angry. Uh, and usually it's not the thing that's right in front of you. Uh, you may think it's because someone cut you off in traffic, but it's actually something much, much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then lastly, being able to say, okay, uh, there's nothing wrong with being angry. You know, that's, that's one of the emotions on my palate for a reason. That is a normal human emotion. But how can I move forward in a way that's going to be positive and productive? Uh, so, you know, if, if you and I are work colleagues and you do something that irritates me and I'm angry, uh, I have to make a choice. What is the best way to move forward? And I need to make sure that that what I'm using, you know, that anger is fuel. I'm using it to do something to move forward. So really just the ability to, to recognize and manage your emotions. And if you can't do that for yourself, then you certainly can't do that for anybody else. Very true. Yeah. I mean, so I, I work for the U.S. Army. To, we, we coach resilience training. And within when we go to a leadership meeting with higher higher command leaders, this is the one topic that they always want us to teach is yeah. help my soldiers, help these high performers understand how to regulate their emotions and yes, effectively regulate. take action. That's the word that it. we use. Yeah. So great, great cool. word. I should have said regulate. That is a great, I like regulate better than manage. So yeah, you, you nailed it. If we do another bracket, uh, regulate we'll, we'll, will beat manage and move on to the next round. We'll do that next round. All right. <laughs> All right. So we got our final four. We got self-awareness, oh. fundamentals, discipline, and emotional intelligence. So I don't know if there's going to be any upsets here. I mean, these are I already all... know what's going on to the finals, but you go ahead and read them. <laughs> okay. All right. We got self-awareness fundamentals. Self-awareness. Knew that was going to happen. I imagine this one should be a blowout. Emotional intelligence and discipline. Yeah. I'm going to give it to emotional exactly. intelligence. Although it's, it wasn't a super easy one. And, and what makes this final game very interesting is, is the relationship between self-awareness and emotional intelligence because yes. they're certainly not mutually exclusive. Uh, I'm a big believer, in, and, and this will probably tip the hat to who I'm going to lay the crown to. I'm going to go ahead and give the title to self-awareness uh, because you cannot have emotional intelligence if you aren't self-aware. Yes. So it, it's kind of a building block. Um, so I'm going to give self-awareness the, the title. They're going to be the 2020 uh, champion. Uh, it's also co not coincidentally. Yeah, let's give them a, let's hand. Give them a well round of done. applause for University of Self Awareness. That's right. And not coincidentally, that's why it's the first chapter of my book. Yep. It's, that, that was the, the word uh, or, yeah, hyphened word that, that the rest of everything was built on. But yeah, boy, just like in the NCAA tournament where you can send a really good team home early. Uh, it, it, it does pain me to see discipline lose a game and to I see know. the fundamentals lose a game, but boy, that was a lot of fun. And, and you did that brilliantly, but yeah, self-awareness is taking home. Self-awareness cut, cutting down the net. All right. So, yeah. so with, with self-awareness, give us like something that we could do to make sure that that is our champion every day. 
So how can we make so how can we build that self awareness? How can we broaden our our horizon, if you will, with self, within when it comes to self awareness? Well, as the name would imply, the first part is going to be the self part, and the self part is uh, your prob- whoever's listening to this is probably already in touch with the things that they do well, the things they enjoy doing, you know, the the their their goals and their dreams, because that's probably what monopolizes most of their thoughts. But you also have to have the courage to look on the other side of the curtain and acknowledge uh, what are your best opportunities for growth. What are some of your weaknesses and challenges? What are your fears and your insecurities? And, and that is not easy for anyone to come to grips with and to, and to stare you know, dead in the eye. Uh, but you need to know those things because all of those things together make up who you are as a human being. Uh, then what you need to do is you need to figure out if the way that you view yourself is in alignment with the way the rest of the world views you. And this is not about pandering for someone's affection or attention or anything like that. It's about being able to say, okay, I think I'm a really good listener. Does everyone else think I'm a good listener? And just to see if those two things match. Um, so in order to, to take self-awareness to the next level, you actually have to step outside of self and involve some other people. Now, this could be something like a, a professionally trained therapist or counselor, uh, somebody that can help you see some of your blind spots and can give you unbiased feedback. Uh, if that's not an option, uh, you could, you could get your inner circle, you know, recruit the people that you know care about you and that you trust and, and they love you and they support you and they challenge you and hold you accountable and ask them. You know, you could basically create your own report card. Uh, let's just use the 16 words that, that you put so brilliantly yeah. on the bracket and just say, all right, I'm going to take those 16 words and I'm going to rate myself on a scale of one to 10 on how I'm living out those words. And then I'm going to pass out an empty bracket to the five people that know me the best. And I'm going to ask them to fill it out on my behalf. So, well, you know, I write down what I think my self-awareness is and my discipline is. And then I want them to write down what they think my self-awareness is and my discipline is. And let's see how congruent those two things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, everybody might view their, their scale a little bit different. But if I think my self-awareness is a nine and the people closest to me all think it's a three, there's a disconnect there. Yeah. And that means that, that, that I'm not viewing myself the same way the rest of the world is viewing me. And that's what we'd want to tighten up. Uh, so this is not about just having high scores. I mean, the funny thing is, um, you know, let's just say on discipline, I, I give myself a, a four, a low score, and you know me very well. And you also give me a four. Uh, that means I have very high self-awareness. I'm aware of the fact that I'm not very good with discipline and that you're also aware of that. So as funny as that sounds, while we can acknowledge that my discipline sucks, uh, we can also acknowledge that I know myself so well that I know that that is an opportunity for growth for me. And same thing, if I put I'm a nine on communication and you give me an eight and somebody else gives me a 9.5 and somebody else gives me a nine, now I know that, that those things are at least in the same ballpark so I have pretty good self-awareness and, and, and self-awareness is not a destination. Uh, it's, a, it's an ongoing, ongoing recalibration. We should all be working to be more self-aware every day of our life. Um, there'll be some days that you're more self-aware than others. You know, some days, some of your stuff is in your blind spots and you, you need someone else to help you see what you can't see and hear what you can't hear. Um, but that's, that's really the key. And I, I, I know this analogy is so overused and overplayed, but it's the best one I can think of. You know, if you're going to use a GPS, 
you need two coordinates. You need where you are and you need where you're going. If you don't have those two things, then the GPS can't work. Um, and it's the same thing for anything we're trying to achieve uh, in life. I know that sounds so corny and so cliche, True. but the starting point, if you don't know where you are right now, then you have no idea how to get there. I mean, you know, if you and I, we're in different cities right now. If someone asks you for directions to LA, they're going to be different than the directions I'd give because we're going from different starting points. Right. You know? And that's, that's what's so important. So I hate using overused cliches, but in this case, it's so true. You have to know where you're starting or nothing else matters. Yeah, I love that, man. And especially the, the repetition part of that, right? I, I, there's a phrase that we use when we work with soldiers that self-awareness is like air. I can't breathe for tomorrow. I can only oh, breathe yeah. for right now. So self-awareness is the same thing. It's the moment. Yeah. It's right now. You can't be self-aware 10 years from now or you can't no. breathe for tomorrow. I can only exactly. breathe for right now. It's got to be in the present moment. Yeah. And you know, I know you said you have a wide range of listeners and, and you've got some that are, that are younger athletes, but um, anyone that hasn't seen the movie Eight Mile with Eminem yeah. needs to check that movie out. And, and really, uh, I, I don't want to have a spoiler alert, even though the, the movie's been out for 20 years. Yeah, where you have know, you been if end, you haven't seen Eight Mile? Exactly. At the end of the movie, he basically wins the last rap battle just based on self-awareness that he knows his yeah. shortcomings so well and he's willing to own them and put those out there that the guy he was battling had nothing to say against him because of that. And that is, that is crucial. So I don't know if your listeners saw an Eminem eight mile reference coming, but I, I did my best. To you, throw know, it. you know what? I mean, early on in the podcast, right? You hooked me with the Michael Scott, with the Michael Scott quote and then immediately <laughs> with slim shady. So that's how there I first go. fell in love with your content, man. I was well versed. You hit me with the office and, and some eight mile lyrics, dude, you, <laughs> you know, you got me hooked. So, Awesome. I know. I, and I know this has been, I can't thank you enough, man. This has been so awesome to hear your feedback, just your, your knowledge and your passion is very easy to see how, how much how you love what you do. And it's awesome to talk to people that, that love what they do and you're incredibly good at it. So I know you've got some stuff. So we've got a lot of like younger athletes. So what are some resources that you can point some of those younger athletes to that if they want to learn a little bit more about some of the stuff you're doing about raising their game and being able to develop more, where, where can they go? Well, for the younger athletes, I, I came out with a recently came out with a course. It's called your game plan and it's the student athlete edition. And this is for anyone in middle nice. school, high school, or college. Uh, it's a really easy to follow video based online program. Uh, and you can just go to make your game plan.com. Uh, that's makeyourgameplan.com. If you enter the coupon code STUDENT30, that student spelled out 3-0 with no spaces, you can save 30% on that. Um, and it really, I mean, you did such a brilliant job leading this dance and, and teeing up some wonderful questions. Uh, a good portion of the things that we talked about today are, are covered at length in that course, as well as additional things. And, and really, uh, the goal for every student athlete should be to improve their performance in everything they do, not yeah. just in their sport, mm -hmm. but in their, their academics and their relationships and their future employment. And that was why I designed this course. Uh, and then certainly anybody over, you know, 12 years old, uh, I do believe would benefit from raise your game. Uh, you can go to raise your game uh, or you can just check it out on Amazon. Uh, or if you love my silky smooth, sexy voice, you can <laughs> purchase it on audible and listen to the audio book. I did the read for it. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then anything else someone would need, you can just go to allensteinjr.com 
or I'm at Alan Stein Jr. on Instagram and all of the major social channels. I love having dialogue. Uh, so if someone uh, listening to this, if something struck a chord and you have a question, or even if you want to challenge something that I said, uh, just hit me up on social. I, I love having some some respectful and civil discourse on there. Yeah, we're I'm gonna I'm gonna post this bracket. We're gonna see. Please do. I would love to I see. Think it, we're gonna I have some heated debates over this well. bracket. Yeah, we'll see, if, we'll see if self-awareness makes it cuts down the net for everybody. But um, <laughs> I, I think it would definitely be in my in my final four for sure. But I have oh, to give us some cool. But awesome, man. Alan, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Um, I appreciate all that you do. It's incredible to, to listen to you and to learn from you. So I can't thank you enough for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure. This was a lot of fun. All right, man. Take care. You too. All right. See ya. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview. I know Alan was such an incredible guest for me. I learned so much from him. I just wanted to highlight a couple points real quick. Uh, There's a couple things that I wanted to kind of bring up from this interview that really stuck out to me. The first is the strength zone. He talked about it pretty early on in the the interview. Talked about the strength zone of, of this intersection between what you're good at and passion. So it's something that you're passionate about, something that you like doing and something that you're good at doing. This is something super important. I know for me, when I was in school, uh, right after my undergrad, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my career, what I wanted to do with my life. And there was this moment where I I had this realization that, you know what, I love sports. I love working in sports. I love talking to athletes. I love being around athletes. I love being around high performing individuals. I, I love that. And I also was really good at listening. I feel like that was something I was very good at. I, I could listen from 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 early on. I was felt like I was a really good listener. And those were two things that I knew I was good at listening and I knew I, I loved sports. So I ended up finding a perfect job for me in sports psychology. It's what I do every day is I, I listen and I provide help to athletes, to business owners, to high performers. And because of this strength zone idea, I was able to figure out what I wanted to do. So I hope you you take the same advice that Alan gave us there about finding something that you're passionate about and finding something that you're good at. And that intersection is the sweet spot. That's where you want to be spending your time. Um, the second thing was the youth sport. We talk about youth sports. I've, I selfishly, I wanted to ask him about this because I knew he had a lot of insight about this. I have three kids that are kind of coming up the ranks of youth sports now. So those six words, again, are so powerful. I love to watch you play. Saying those six words is gonna be, is gonna set up our kids to be able to love the game, not the outcomes, not the the wins and losses, but the game itself. Just to love whatever sport they're playing, whatever they're doing. It doesn't have to be sports. Whatever it is, I love to watch you do this. That was super powerful for me. Um, and then the second to last thing was when he talked about Co- what Kobe mentioned about never getting bored with the basics. If you're struggling, if you're going through a kind of a rough time right now, a lot of times it's because you're trying to take something simple and make it complex. It doesn't need to be that way. Kobe was one of the greatest scorers of all time. He was one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He did simple superior. He was so superior doing the simple things that nobody could guard it. Nobody could block his shots. Nobody could guard him because he was so good at the simple parts of the game you think about people like players like tim duncan you think about players like carl malone john stockton who i grew up idolizing like they were just they just played very simply it was an easy game it was a pick and roll no one could stop it for 20 years 
So it, it's just doing this, do simple things better. And then the final thing was the bracket, which I hope you, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, when I was thinking of this idea for this interview, I was getting like super excited beforehand and, uh, I had no idea how it was going to turn out. It was just these random words, but I think it turned out great. And I think, uh, I think just the conversation around self-awareness was incredibly powerful and to build that self-awareness, the tip that Alan gave us is to rate yourself on each of these 16 um, words, these characteristics, and rate yourself on zero to ten. See where you see where you are, and then give that bracket and say, "Hey, this is this is what I said. This is what I thought were the most important. This is how I would rate myself." And have them fill out fill out the bracket as well and see what they think. And then ha- also ask them to rate what they think you are. Uh, I think this could be a really cool individual self awareness builder. But also, if you're on a team, if you're a coach with a, and, and your assistant coaches, if you're a manager and your assistant managers or your leaders in your offices. This could be a really cool activity for a professional development, a personal development opportunity to rate yourself from zero to 10 on these on these topics, on these words, see where you stand and see where the, the, the your direct people that you work with, see where they where they see you at. I think it could be a really, really great professional development as well as a personal development opportunity. So I want to thank you again for listening to this. I absolutely love this interview. Alan is someone that I've been listening to for a really long time, and it was almost like a little bucket list item for me to be able to have this conversation with him. And the bracket, um, I wanted to kind of share this with you as well. Um, I'd love to get your filled out brackets. I'm going to post it on our Facebook page and our Instagram page. Uh, I filled out mine before the interview, and uh, it was it was tough. That was a tough. That was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done is filling out this bracket. So, um, if you want to fill this out, if you want to check out this bracket, I've created a little bracket for it. You can check it out on our Instagram and our Facebook page at Mental Strength Performance, and you'll be able to find it there on one of the posts. Um, also, once you filled it out, uh, send us a picture. Um, email me a picture of it. I want to see kind of. I want to consolidate some of these and kind of get as many as we can. Uh, email me at coachchristian at gmail.com. That's C-O-A-C-H, coach, and then Christian, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y-A-N at gmail.com. Once you fill that out, send me your bracket, and I want to see who the winners are. Um, I'll announce mine right now. For me, the final four was self-awareness and effort and discipline and emotional intelligence. And for me, the so between self-awareness and effort, I actually selected effort to move on. And between discipline and emotional intelligence, I had emotional intelligence. So effort and emotional intelligence were in my championship game. And effort ended up winning the whole thing. Uh, I To me, effort was the one word that really stuck out to me. It's a word that stuck out to me for a very long time. And my logic behind that is... You could have all the self-awareness in the world. You could have all the discipline, all the energy, all the emotional intelligence, all the fundamentals down. You could be the most coachable person in the world. You could be unselfish. But if you don't act on those things, if you don't put forth the effort in any of those things, it just doesn't matter how much you have, how much of those things you have if you don't put in the work. So to me, effort is that action. It's the work of actually doing those things, right? So effort one one. Uh, University of Effort was my champion. So I hope you take some time to fill out this bracket as well. Uh, it was really fun, very difficult. Uh, the Elite Eight was pro- by far the hardest round. Having to knock out things like productivity and fundamentals in preparation and energy was just like emotionally very taxing for me. So I had to take a few deep breaths to be able to get through this bracket. So 
Hope you enjoyed this interview. Um, we'll we'll uh, have a lot of other really cool people on the show, and I'll be sharing some principles with you as well that uh, have, have really been been thinking about and stuck out to me. So. Hope you'll listen to our next episodes. And if you haven't heard some of the other episodes, I would definitely recommend listening to some of our other episodes. Early on in the podcast, I did an episode about doing things, one, doing the minimal, th- the little things, uh, taking 1% action. Uh, that's probably our most popular episode. So I hope you'll be able to check that out as well as some of the other interviews with some pretty awesome people. So thank you for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.